DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz Radio studio analyst. He's on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Ben, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming back on again. It has been a while because there have been no games. I'm curious. We have talked to some... Uh, national NBA writers now. We had one on yesterday, and he's talking about he thought the Jazz uh, could be poised to do pretty well when the season comes back. And I think with Bogdanovich out with an injury, a lot of people found that surprising. How well do you think the Jazz can weather the absence of Bogdanovich? I think some of it's going to come down to matchups, and we don't know what this close to the regular season, if there is one, is going to look like. So, if you go one through sixteen, and you have to play the Houston Rockets, which has you know, been one one of the rumors that's been talked about, that might be tricky. Though, admittedly, Boyan Bogdanovich has really struggled with that super small lineup that the Rockets can play. So, maybe the Jazz are actually a little bit more competitive against Houston without Boyan, just because he doesn't seem to really he hasn't figured out how to attack a team that can play that small because he can't really dribble against them. Uh, maybe there's actually a little bit more help without Boyan in that series, as crazy as that seems to, to sound. But, you know, if you played the Oklahoma City Thunder, which you might be poised to right now, I think you could probably get past that team. And then, you know, you, you just hope that the matchups continue to favor you. You just start Joe then? Yeah, I think you start Joe Eagles. Uh, Royce O'Neal probably moves up to the four uh, for Boyan, and then I think Joe plays the three. And then you're you're also uniquely small, other than Rudy Gobert. You know, Royce is... He's six eight, but he's not particularly maybe six seven, six six. But he's not particularly bulky. He doesn't play all that big, though he can probably defend most of the fours in the NBA. But yeah, I think that probably ends up being your starting lineup. So, where do you think they get the scoring punch from? Because obviously, we're talking about a volume shooter. I think Mike Conley probably has to step up. Now the Jazz haven't done a great job this year figuring out how to have two backcourt scorers. Uh, at the same time, even when you know Jordan Clarkson's on the floor, it seems like he does the majority of the scoring or the majority of the shooting, and either Joe Ingles is the initiator or that last kind of second unit group that we saw that Dennis Lindsay has praised a few times now since we've been in hiatus uh, that had Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles. Those guys all kind of deferred to Clarkson, uh, and then he would kind of be kind of a one-pass playmaker for those guys finding open shooters or finding Tony Bradley rolling to the rim. There wasn't a whole lot of movement or action there, uh, but it could still find a way to score the ball. So I think it would be Mike Conley in the starting lineup, but that's not we, we haven't seen that balance yet from the Jazz this season. Do you have re-signing Jordan Clarkson as a high priority? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's your top true priority. No, I, I mean, you're, you're going to give... Uh, Donovan Mitchell a max contract this offseason. I think you see if Rudy Gobert wants to sign a max extension, but not the super max, not $250 million. I think you see if he wants to take $50 million off that price tag and sign for five years and $200 million, which is still an absurdly high $40 million a season, but you could probably stomach that a little bit better than you could $50 million a year, and you don't need to pay him $50 million a year starting this year. You don't need to commit to that because you're still going to be the only team that can give him that coming up next offseason. But I don't think you waste any time with Donovan Mitchell. But when it comes to Jordan Clarkson, I think that's probably your next priority. That's probably the guy I start working on, uh, trying to get Clarkson's deal. And if it's, you know, we don't know what the salary cap's going to look like next year because of all the money lost this season. But I think a similar percentage of the cap, and he makes it up $15 million, $14 million right now. If you could pay him something in the similar range, I think he's an absolute bargain for what he brings this Jazz team. 
You know, there's uh, plenty of Jazz fans who fear he's going to go to one of the elite teams, go to LeBron and all that. Because the thing is with, with Clarkson is he brings a, a skill set that everybody needs. You know, can you come off the bench and when things are struggling, just go get, just go get shots, just go score. And he can do that. And, and what team doesn't need that? So what are the odds you think that he's here? And what are the odds that uh, regardless of money, he's lured away by another superstar, whether it's LeBron and Lakers or somebody else? I think he's young enough that he still needs to be signing contracts for money and not for championships. And that's not the Jazz don't offer him at least an opportunity to compete and prove that he can compete at this level. So I would be really surprised if he goes anywhere. And, and most teams aren't going to have any money. I mean, I mean, the teams that should have money this offseason are, are really bad basketball teams, whether it's New York or Detroit or maybe Atlanta. I mean, there's a couple of teams that can spend some money, but it's, it's not high-profile destination cities. And then on top of it, with the reduced salary cap that we're expecting, even if they kind of smooth out these losses over the next few seasons, you should anticipate that most teams are going to be two, three, four million dollars less in their salary cap than they expected. Now that includes the Jazz, but the Jazz do own his bird rights, so they can go as high as they want paying him. Uh, and, and I would imagine they would be extremely comfortable going over the, the the salary cap and going into his bird rights to pay for him. What other priorities do you see? Uh, you know, you can work on George Niang's uh, contract this off season, and, and he's probably due some money. I mean, he's come in and done exactly what you want. And you, you see these guys who are pure shooters uh, in the NBA. They, they tend to get paid, and they tend to have value wherever they go, even if they do feel a little bit overpaid, whether that's a Davis Bertans in Washington right now, who kind of was inexplicably let go or, or traded by the San Antonio Spurs, who could certainly use that type of player now. Uh, so, so I think you pay him. Now, he's not in that same conversation as a shooter as Davis Bertans, but he's over 40%. He gets up three-point shots pretty easily. He's shown some ability to improve. I think he saw a little bit more of a dribble-drive game this season than he'd shown in years past. So, uh, And I think he's a solid culture guy. I think he's a solid locker room guy. I think he's fine to have around. So you probably extend his contract this offseason as well. You start looking at that, and then, you have to figure out what you're going to do with the Emmanuel Moutiers of the world. You know, is, is he going to make too much money uh, on the market? And that's certainly possible. I thought he played well when he was on the floor with the Jazz, and there's actually some, some lineup numbers that I think he looks really good in as well. So there's probably going to be a team that's willing to take a chance on him. And because he's made good money, but certainly not Jordan Clarkson-level money at this point in his career, he should also probably be looking to sign for whoever will give him the most years and certainly the most money as opposed to saying, well, you know, the Jazz treated me well. I'm going to give them a discount. I don't think for his you know, personal life that's probably a good idea. I think he should go sign elsewhere and probably get a couple more seasons. I'm curious whether you think there are some teams around the league that are better set up than others to perform when they come back. I mean, the, the chemistry, the flow, all that's going to be gone. Teams are going to have to recreate it. Do you trust some teams more than others? I trust veteran teams. I trust guys who know how to stay in shape in the offseason. And we've seen it locally. You see it across the NBA. It takes some guys three years just to figure out how to be NBA players, you know, how to keep themselves in shape, how to come into camp ready, how to eat right. I mean, Donovan Mitchell has said he didn't know how to eat right for the first couple of seasons uh, and has kind of figured that out now with the Jazz personal chef. He would go and get, you know, a really sugary smoothie or he would eat a bunch of Caesar salads and heard the word salad and thought that means it's healthy. And, it's you know, it's not. So I think some of the more veteran teams are probably going to be well prepared to do this and that favors the Lakers, who outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, who are both very veteran players, 
have a ton of guys like Danny Green who have been around a long time who have figured out how to do this. So the veteran team should be in good shape. Now, that could become into question if we end up playing a lot of truncated games. I think a lot of people think in 1999 the Jazz were hurt by the lockout season because you had to play so many games so quickly and they were so much older uh, that that might have cost them a championship. I think those are some of the questions, but I would imagine early on those teams that are veteran, those teams that, that know how to come in and be ready to go and don't need a month to find chemistry, I think those teams are really going to be, find a, a good advantage to start this year. So you're telling me a Caesar salad is unhealthy? Well, I mean, there's worse options. You know, you, you could certainly go get a loaded baked potato, and that's not going to help you. But a Caesar salad with, with the really heavy, full Caesar dressing, it's not great for you. Add some croutons on top of it. It's not going to be the best thing you can find to eat. Sorry, DJ. Yeah, I know, right? There's no hope for me. I'm done. <laughs> baked potato and Caesar salad. I think that's the healthiest option on my menu. Hey, well, none of us are trying to be in the NBA. We can eat whatever we want. <laughs> I don't think that's true either. As I look at this team, it's funny because it was young for a good while. And then it, it sort of got old, not old, but older quickly. And so with Conley, Bogdanovich, and Joe, you know, three of uh, your guys are over 30. How much do the Jazz need to start balancing, preparing for their departure, recognizing that it's not here yet? But it's drawing closer. Yeah, I think a big question there is what Mike Conley does after next season. I think we all assume that he picks up that gargantuan thirty-plus million-dollar player option he's got this summer. It would make sense for him to do that. He's not going to make that up uh, on the free agent market. So he probably picks that up. And then, what does he want? What does he expect? What does he need after that? Does, I think the Jazz would like to keep him around. I mean, they they put a lot into in, in getting him. You know, they traded several first round draft picks and former first round draft picks and solid role players. So I think that was more than a two year investment. But you're not going to pay him twenty million dollars a season. I just don't think he's that type of point guard. He hasn't proven that. And then he's going to be so much older that I think it would be hard to pay him that much money. So. Uh, I think that's going to be a big question that helps dictate that. If, if he's willing to take less money and it's within the Jazz kind of financial plans, you keep him around and you're probably okay being a little bit more veteran, especially as Donovan Mitchell kind of ages into his prime, which is still several years off. I, I think that's probably the plan. Boyan's game is probably somewhat similar to Mehmet Okur, who was aging well uh, before he tore his Achilles. Uh, so I think you can probably count on him. Joe's actually, I thought, said some interesting things this offseason. I know you guys get to talk to him every week, but he's kind of talked about, you know, he signed that last one-year extension and with his kids at their age, and he doesn't want to move them around through schools throughout their entire life. They may want to be back home in Adelaide, kind of getting their kids in school and ready to go before those kids turn, you know, six, seven years old when they're really in school, and that's only a couple of years away. So those guys might be looking at the end, or at least Joe Ingles might be looking towards the end, and, and if Mike Conley wants more money, he might not be in the picture after next season. So at that point, you could start to go young again and trust that Rudy Gobert and trust that Donovan Mitchell are old enough, plus Jordan Clarkson, to kind of carry this core and this next group together. I think there also is a fact that you don't really win with young guys in the NBA. You need it for the future, but the, the number of young guys, you know, 27 and under, who contribute to NBA championship teams at a high level, that's not usually how it works. You know, you get to the guys who are 27, 28, 29. Now they're getting to the age that, where they can really win. So I wonder how much they just ride Gobert and Mitchell and constantly bring guys through trying to sign guys for a couple years, whether they're late 20s or early 30s. 
and you know, I know there's been some hand wringing over the last three months about the relationship between those two players, but Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy's probably into his prime, and it's going to be in a spot where. I think the way the league plays will probably dictate how effective he can be, and he's still going to be very effective. It just matters. Is he going to be a top 10 player? Is he going to be a top 25 player? That's going to depend on three-point shooting and how teams attack and you know, how small teams are willing to go. I think all that, that factors in. It's hard to, hard, hard to understand exactly what that's going to look like. But Donovan's just going to keep getting better, and he's going to be a really good player for a really long time. And I think you're going to see players who want to come in and play in Utah or at least play alongside of him. Everybody's seen uh, players want to come in and pay for, for Quinn Snyder. And I think that secret's going to continue to go, you know, become less of a secret. I think you're going to get more players who are willing to do that and, and willing to come and be in a comfortable spot in Utah where, you know, the Jazz, I think, take care of their players pretty well. And Quinn seems to like his players well and players like him. I think you're going to, like you said, DJ, you're going to be able to kind of retool this this roster over and over as you just work to find more Jordan Clarkson type pieces that come in and fit and can be glue guys. So if Anthony Davis leaves the Lakers for whatever reason, suddenly they become a lot more average. Now maybe they can pick up somebody, I don't know. But I'm just looking at for the Jazz going forward into next season in terms of how serious of a contender you think they can be. Uh, it certainly depends on the age of LeBron. Now maybe he's just ageless and it's going to be Tom Brady. You know, and All of a sudden Tom Brady seems like he fell off a cliff last season, but can LeBron continue to play at that level and carry teams, and can he get enough rest throughout the season that he's going to be healthy? And that's that's what's scary about the Lakers this year is, you know, you gave LeBron three months off to come back and be full strength. Full strength LeBron, regardless of what the last dance ball said, is as good as all we've ever seen. So if, if LeBron can do that, he can carry a team of really good players to a championship because he's carried teams of really mediocre players to championships in the past. So if LeBron ages and starts to fall off a little bit, I think kind of even regardless of what Anthony Davis does. I personally don't think Anthony Davis is one of those guys who can carry a team to a championship by himself. I think he's he's the, maybe the best number two player in the league, but if he becomes your number one, you probably have some issues. Uh, and, and then let's see what happens with Paul George and the Clippers. You know, we, We've got some personal taste of it, of, of Paul George just absolutely disappearing in the postseason. He, he couldn't handle Joe Ingles, which... Other players have handled Joe Ingles in the playoffs, and Paul George couldn't, and that, that maybe says more about Paul George than necessarily it does Joe. Uh, so I think those are some questions to ask. But then, you know, I, I don't believe in Russell Westbrook in the postseason either. There's no reason why the Jazz can't continue to improve and can't continue to get better and kind of maybe do what the Carl and, and John Jazz teams did, which was just you, they're going to require a certain amount of experience to figure out how to win. Their talent alone isn't going to get them there because they're not as talented as LeBron and Anthony Davis or they're not as talented as Kawhi and Paul George. But with enough wins and losses under their belt, they'll figure out how to kind of get to finally that promised land and then they're hoping for an advantageous matchup in the finals. Well, Ben, I miss hanging out with you during games, just sitting in the studio watching whatever's going on. So uh, hopefully we'll get back to that one day. July 31st. I think we'll hear that on Thursday. There it is. All right, Ben, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Ben Anderson, you hear him on Utah Jazz Radio Studio Broadcasts. Uh, he and Jake up here on a lot of the pre-half and post-game shows. We appreciate Ben coming on. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention. Top of the Wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Clemson star wide receiver Justin Ross will miss the upcoming season. His career could be in jeopardy after he was diagnosed with what coach Dabo Sweeney called a congenital fusion in his spine. He's going to undergo surgery Friday. He was considered one of the top wide receiver prospects in next year's NFL draft class. Former Auburn head coach and AD Pat Dye passed away yesterday at the age of 80. Died at a hospice care facility in Auburn from complications of kidney and liver failure. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson said he'd like to see the NFL allow fans to experience a new facet of the game this season. He believes they should mic up players during games. And Oklahoma City Thunder owner Clay Bennett reportedly very vocal on the NBA's Board of Governor call last Friday as to why the league and owners need to consider the competitive and financial plights of smaller market teams that might be left out of the season's resumption in Orlando. Top of the wire, brought to you by Syringa Network. Syringa is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Coming up next, everything you missed in this show, all the stuff we've been talking about, including the passing of Wes Unsold, who died this morning at the age of 74. We'll talk about the NBA great next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. The Big 12 has decided we can let our guys back in on campus and work out in our weight room supervised by our uh, medical staff and strength staff on the 15th. The week prior to that, on the 8th, our guys will be given a a battery of tests and uh, blood work and COVID-19 tests, the whole gamut. But to expect them to be as in shape uh, on on June 1st as maybe they they would have been in years past, I, I I don't think anybody expects that. There is Texas coach Tom Herman, the Longhorns, returning to workouts over the course of this month, kind of describing the process as they come back. It's time for all the headlines. What you've missed in today's show brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. All right, what we hear there from Texas Coach, kind of what we heard uh, last week from Dr. David Petron as you start talking about the process of bringing all these athletes back on campus and gearing up for the start of sports, which the Big 12 commissioner just told us yesterday he is much more optimistic now than he was 30 days ago. He's hoping to be even more optimistic in another 30 days, but he's more optimistic now. And it's just uh, all signs pointing towards the resumption of sports college sports with the start with Labor Day and the start of the kind of the traditional start of the fall season. Amen. I've started back working out. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to get buff again. It's time. <laughs> buff again? Yeah. 220, buff again. 225. Yeah, we how many be, reps? back on the bench every day. Yeah. Are you talking about my weight or my max on bench? No, it's. Uh, I know you put. You like to, you know, put yourself through the NFL combine type. You know, how many reps do you do at two twenty five? I mean, that's, that's the standard. 
I can honestly say the number of reps I can do at 225 are zero. <laughs> yeah, well, I can do as many reps at 225 as I can do at 325, which is also zero. Uh, the other college news, and this is why we always talk about when you're a football player, whether you're a college player going pro or you have a chance to get a second contract in the NFL, go for the money because careers end so quickly. Usually it's because of injuries and uh, collisions, but this time it's because of a, a congenital uh, situation, but it's still health-related. Justin Ross, Clemson star wide receiver, expected to be one of the top prospects in next year's draft, but a congenital fusion according to Dabo Sweeney. That sounds bad. And his career's in jeopardy. He's got to have surgery Friday. You never know when it's going to be over. And uh, this is really unexpected, kind of out of the blue here. Hey, 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 his career's in jeopardy. No, don't sing that. Baby. Great, Ken. Thank you. Ooh. Yes, particularly in football, I would advise, really in players, particularly young players, to go for the money. And I think coaching is a different story. And they take a look at Mark Pope. Mark Pope's going to get offers. He's going to have people talking to him because he's a dynamic recruiter. He's a dynamic football coach. He knows how to win a room, right? It reminds me of a taller Steve Cleveland, maybe a little more enthusiastic than Steve was in his day. But you come away thinking, wow, I'm impressed with this guy. And so Pope's clearly going to get offers. Dave Rose had them. For sure he had them. He had multiple. I know for a fact he did. And he's spoken about them. Well, Tim Lacombe told us about them, too. And, but I think coaching is a different story. I don't think coaching, you just look to cash in. Because you can coach longer, right? As a player, particularly an NFL player, your time is even going to be more limited. And relatively speaking, no matter what sport you're playing, your time is limited, right? You're 35 years old in a lot of these sports, and you're an old-timer, and you still have a long way to go in your working life, let alone you know the rest of your life and your personal life. So, But I think coaching, you should try to find the right spots, and you shouldn't just hopscotch around. And we've heard coaches say that. You know, I had a good spot where I was, but I was enticed, and I went, and it didn't work out. But as far as the player goes... Uh, most cases, because everything is so short short and truncated, I would advise them to take that money. Former Auburn head coach and AD Pat Dye passed away yesterday at the age of 80. A big name, had a bunch of good Auburn teams in the uh, throughout the 80s, four SEC champions or co-champions, won 99 games, 12 years. And uh, Lee Gross Cup passed away. And then uh, Wes Unseld passed away this morning. So we've had some big names from the world of sports. You got any memories from any of those that uh, jump out at you? Uh, Unseld a little vaguely. But I certainly know of him. I don't really need memories of him to know what type of a player he is, particularly now with the Internet. You can just look it up. So, And I've heard the name of Wes Unseld. I don't recall really seeing him play. I'm sure I did, but nothing really stands out. But I knew of him because if I'm interested in sports, I'm going to have a history. Uh, Pat Dye, not as much as a coach. Not really. At that point, I was mo- uh, well, almost exclusively focused on Pac-10 football at that time, going to a Pac-10 school when he was in his heyday. The way the timing would would have been, he would have coached Bo Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So that uh, that would have imagine Bo Jackson today, uh, and he got a ton of publicity uh, right. yeah, during he did. his day. 
but I think he would get even more. And then Lee Grosscup, I have zero. I just heard that he had gone to Utah. It's like one of these names you hear of, like Larry Wilson of the St. Louis Cardinals was all that, and you heard that he went to Utah and never saw him play. But when I got up here and heard these names, didn't know I knew Jack about Utah football, literally knew nothing about Utah football until I got here. And then you hear these names, and what was what was he, the shuffle pass or some yeah. offense that he ran or something? The Utah pass. We had him on one time a few years ago. Yeah, we had him on ahead of a Cal-Utah game. Yeah. Yeah, I know the name now for sure, and I became acquainted with the history. It's like, uh, who's the basketball guy, Billy the Hill McGill? Yep. I wouldn't have any idea, nothing, knew nothing about him. But when I got here, I heard his name, saw his name in the media guides, and then researched a little bit, and you get to know because I never, I never yeah. met him, but I got to know about his playing career. Because we got here at the same time, we talked with a lot of the same people who were, you know, 25, 30, 35 years deep into their careers who did know all of these, and we had similar deals, whether it was BYU Stars or Utah Stars. You had it with uh, one of the BYU Stars, Kresmer Chosich, and you said something to Bill Marcroft, and he just filled you in on him. And I can remember with Reese Stein and Bill and Reese worked together at Channel 2 in the sports department for, you know, 25 years before I showed up, and I'm, I'm here about two years, and I say to I say to Reese, who's Billy the Hill McGill? And he just about lost it. Who's Billy the Hill McGill? You know, it'd be like us saying to someone, who's Keith Van Horn? Are you kidding? Who's Andre Miller? Are you kidding? Come on. Yeah, I get it. But it, it was the same deal. You know, they knew him forwards and backwards, and those guys had, uh, you know, awesome runs, so... I've tried to read up. Oh, well, yeah. now I've, I've read up. I mean, I, yeah. I, all, all these names, I certainly know. That was one of the great mysteries to me when I first got up here was why was Utah football so bad? It made no sense to me. I remember on one of a road trip that a road trip that I was on with Bruce Woodbury, the old sports information director, great man who passed a couple of years back, and asking him, you know, what's the deal with Utah football? Because it made no sense to me that there was this huge gap between BYU and Utah. I just didn't understand it because I thought that, you know, there's a lot of, obviously BYU is just basically the crux of their team is LDS, but it it made no sense to me that Utah wouldn't get them because I had known players, I was aware of players down at ASU who were LDS, Danny White being the obvious one. Uh, the most obvious one, and going down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Sun Devil of all time. So why couldn't they get guys like Danny White who were here? They all can't go to BYU. I remember discussing that with Woody about that. And to see Utah come of age football-wise really just made natural sense to me because I thought it had so much going for it, particularly in the conference that it was in at the time. It didn't make any sense to me why a Colorado State would have been better than Utah. Zero sense to me. And eventually Utah got its act together, and they hired Ron McBride, and then off they went to where they are now, and obviously a very good football program. I can remember uh, when San Diego State joined the WAC, and I was still uh, junior high, high school age, and the teams are coming through for the first time. And uh, there was so much sizzle with BYU coming to town because they had the quarterbacks, and they had it gone, and they were ranked, and they had glossy records. It was like, and there was no sizzle when Utah came to town. And I knew that they were rivals and not very far apart and all that. And I'm like you. I didn't, I didn't understand how one could be so good and the other could be just so just there, you know. But looking back now and having been here, you know, that was they were just, they were just dropping into the, you know, the doldrums 
for a couple decades as that happened. And uh, they probably had five or six pretty mediocre years at that point. And it was going to get worse before it got better. Well, it's certainly gotten better now. <laughs> yes, it has. Times have changed big time. All right, uh, other things we discussed this morning. The NBA coming back and Thunder owner Clay Bennett uh, really sticking up for bringing all 30 teams back. And we get the competitive part of it, that the teams that are way out of it, what is the point? It feels like the offseason. They've been shut down for three months. But Clay Bennett, being an owner, uh, making the point about the financial plights, the competitive plights, about the smaller mid-market-sized teams. And if they don't come back and they don't get the full TV money, he doesn't say this specifically, but I'm assuming he's talking about getting the full TV money from your local TV contract, uh, that that's a big hit. And so that, that reason alone, in his mind, is a reason to seriously consider bringing back 30 teams. And there's safety issues. The more people you put in the bubble, is it really a bubble? And so I know they're weighing that, too. There's a lot of things to weigh. But uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski saying that uh, Bennett was pretty passionate on the phone call, really sticking up for these smaller, medium-sized. You know, even what we think is – I mean, we know Utah, the Jazz are in one of the smaller markets in the league. But you can be in – in NBA terms, in one of the medium-sized markets, and be miles behind the major markets. You know, the gap in revenue from Team 2 or 3 to Team 12 or 13 can be really significant. And you, you can be one of the smallest markets and know you're up against it. Even, even teams you think are kind of mid-sized can be up against it. Uh, yeah, I just think that, my gosh, the NBA is playing and it's not the postseason? And you're not playing? That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I'll live with it, and I'll be fine with it, but I, I, I would find a way for them all to come back. I, I mean, that's up for those guys to figure out, and we'll see what they end up coming up with And at that point. But uh, to me, if I was a player and my league was playing and it wasn't the postseason, I would want to come back. Maybe I would think differently if I was a player, but I think they would want to play, get some games in, and just generate some – if. If you can't generate momentum necessarily, then maybe generate some publicity for your team so you don't have to go so many months without playing, eight, nine months, whatever it might end up being. Deshaun Jackson, Eagles wide receiver on uh, Lane Johnson's podcast. Lane is an Eagles teammate. And they were talking about things that should happen, and they got into miking up players, and Deshaun Jackson is all for it. Fans aren't going to be in the stands, and obviously they're the ones watching the broadcast, but you know what can you give fans to tie them into the game? And certainly being in the stadium and being part of that game day energy is one thing that can be done, and that will be missing to one degree or another, possibly completely. We'll see how it, I don't think so, but possibly. We'll see how it plays out. But to mic the players and on a broadcast to come back from a commercial break and hear – the celebration uh, in the end zone, or to hear the trash talking after an interception or a sack or a, a fumble recovery or something, or just some exchange, some running battle between players. Uh, what fan wouldn't sign off on that? Yeah, mic them up. Let's go. Yeah, I think they'll go in that direction over time. They'll find a way to do it. They'll continue to enhance the viewership and viewing viewing experience probably is the best way to say it and continue to try to enhance the in-person experience they're always doing that i mean they, they hire people that's their jobs to make it a better experience for everybody and and we'll see all sorts of things that i think that will come about over the next however many years you fill in the blank 
All right, that's some of the stuff we have been talking about this morning, and it is all brought to you by Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. Hey, a reminder, you can join the Big Show Friday from 2 to 6 at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orm. Prices so low it'll blow your mind. DJ and PK coming back with your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Uh, before we get to the feedback, PK, there's a L.A. Times story that you may have already read during a, a commercial break. Uh, but if not, you should read it after the show. You're always talking about uh, you want to hear people who have things to say, people who are going to make you think. And uh, LZ Granderson at the time has a conversation at the LA Times has a conversation with the Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn. And I know he's kind of anonymous because he got hired. Uh, right as the Chargers went to L.A. and they kind of fell off the map because they haven't had fans and all that stuff. And all. But it's uh, interesting. He you wants know. to do more. What? He wants to do more. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit. Just put out a statement. Uh, he wants to do more than just put out a statement. The, um, the story is, uh, is better than the tweet that promotes it. I'll just say that. They go, in, they go into a lot of things that people talk about, a lot of things he's seen and all that. And uh, maybe you'll agree with it, maybe you won't. Uh, but the stuff you were talking about earlier in the show, you know, you don't want the name-calling, you don't want the emotional uh, finger-pointing, you know, and whose fault it is. And, uh, you know, you want to think more about the issues. Um, I think they do, a, they do a pretty good job of going down that road. Good. So you can check that out. Uh, I'll, uh, it's in my Twitter feed. It's a little buried now, but I'll, I'll retweet it. You can read that. Uh, we got a lot, of, uh, a lot of people weighing in this morning. Uh, we talked about it earlier this morning about uh, do you want to hear from celebrities at a time like this? Greg Popovich um, had a statement if Trump had a brain, even if it was 99% cynical, he'd come and say something that would unify people, but he doesn't care about bringing people together. How much do you want your celebrities being political? We've had a lot of people uh, weighing in on that. Some of them uh, love Pop and love his comments. Uh, Jana love Pop's comments. He's spot on. Uh, Jake says, Jake's not quite, <laughs> quite there with Jenny. He says, He's entitled to his opinion. I'm entitled to mine. If I don't like it, then that's my problem, not his. Um, Chris says Pop can say what he wants about our president. He can also say what he wants about China. Oops. Pop is another bandwagoner. He's lucky he's had talent on his teams or he would be nothing. (laughs) That comes from Troy. I don't have any problem with people speaking out. I just would prefer it a little more responsible, devoid of the name-calling and make your point and say, you know, we need a president who needs to find ways to unite us. Although when you read the thing, and I read it yesterday, it talks about how this has been going on for years, but then you criticize the president. But it's going on for years. All right. Well, he's only been president for For, three years. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anthony Lynn gets into that a little bit because he's talking about, you know, going back to 92. And, uh, you know, how much has really changed in 28 years? And has it gone sideways or backwards or progressed a little bit? Um, 
Uh, he he definitely goes into that that you know you got to look across the years and across the decades at all this stuff. Yeah, that's my big thing. I mean, we can point fingers all we want, but what does that do? So we're going to get. And fine, Trump's a bad dude, get him out. And then we're going to get somebody who's been in Washington for 40-some years and everything's going to be solved? Well, probably not. It's probably not going to be a, in a person who holds a political office individually. It's going to be all of us. We're all going to have to do what we can do to make everything better for everyone. Maybe I'm naive here and living in a fantasy world, but that's the way I see it. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hans and Scotty are coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.